Hey, we're here. It's a quiet one. We snuck up on you. It's four minutes after uh, five o'clock, uh, four o'clock rather. Skulls here along with Aliyah. Varani is doing the show tonight. Leor is off, so Aliyah is taking the taking the reins and going for it. You know the uh, the number. It's open. It's ready to go. Ready for your employment law questions. Just bring it on. 604-280-9898. That would be 604-280-9898. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and the website we always refer to. You can use any time for Tons more information, simply pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Got a ton of stuff to get through tonight, uh, this afternoon anyway. It was situations that trigger employment law disputes. We'll get to some of those talking points, so many more, and some emails a little later on if we have time between that and the phone calls. But we are ready to go if you are. So uh, so bring it on. Aaliyah, good afternoon. How are you, pal? Good, good. How are you? Ready to uh, ready to roll. So what's uh, what's cooking? What do you got going on tonight? Well, a couple of things. We've just been getting so many questions from people about, um, you know, what, how to deal with certain situations that come up in their employment, you know, relationship with uh, mm-hmm. maybe when changes are being made, for example. That's a very common one that I've been getting recently. And so, um, you know, we're doing these shows to try to get some popular um, reoccurring issues, that type of information out to the general public so that hopefully anybody who's listening, who's dealing with something and it sounds very familiar, they'll know what to do and they'll be kind of equipped with a plan um, because some of these things can be very time sensitive. And so the first thing that I wanted to do is discuss, you know, in my past week that was mm-hmm. um, a situation that um, that came across my desk twice, actually, where this type of time sensitive issue really would have um, uh, it really would have benefited, say, the employee knowing what to do it, it, you know, in the moment rather than waiting to the time that they were able to speak with me. And those, those tend to come up in situations called constructive dismissals. Um, a constructive dismissal is basically any time, you know, an employer decides to make little changes or big changes to someone's terms of employment. This could look something like maybe there is a change to, you know, the way that your commission is calculated if you're a salesperson. Or it could also be um, maybe a demotion or a change of how your team is going to be organized and then maybe like a small percentage decrease of maybe your benefits or, or your bonus or things like that. Um, but those were kind of the two situations that came up this past week. And, you know, for the first uh, for the first employee, he had um, been subject to a demotion and a little bit of a pay decrease. And that was made back in November. And, you know, he had some issues with that. He didn't agree with the reasons and kind of wanted to, you know, waited it out a little bit and ended up waiting actually until January by the time that um, we ended up speaking about this. And he had mentioned that, you know, he had a ton of problems with this, but didn't really do anything at the time and certainly nothing in writing. Um, now, the problem with that is, and the problem with, um, you know, even in the example of, uh, you know, the, the second lady that I spoke with is you don't want to wait until even two months. That's That can be just too long of a time before you decide to do anything. And then the other lady had, uh, uh, you know, the, the other employee that I had spoken with had, um, that was the change to the, her commission structure. So she was a salesperson. She had traditionally been um, earning, you know, a percentage of the of the, her collections that she brought in. And then her employer said, you know what, we're going to give you a letter now and in, in, uh, essentially in December to letting you know that we're going to make these changes in next July. And, um, you know, at least with her situation, she had a little bit of advance warning. But again, she was kind of asking me questions like, can I just wait and see how it is? Do I have to do anything yeah. right now? And, and this is really the important point is that, you know, in these situations, when you have little changes like this, you need to do something right away. Otherwise, 
you could you could have your rights be affected and that's not something that you want to have happen you want to leave your options open you want to make sure that you're not being sort of taken advantage of by you know things that could affect what you could expect to earn or the type of situation that you've come to expect in your workplace for however many years you've worked there it can be quite jarring to go into work and realize that you don't have say the supervisor duties that you used to have or that you're simply not going to be able to earn the same amount that you've historically been making because you know you have bills to pay you you come to expect those situations and that income and it can be quite a jarring change and it can really add up so you know in the first instance the best thing for that gentleman to do would be to in writing you know speak to their well say something to their employer that that they disagree with that change that demotion and that you know benefit decrease um but that they're not quitting and they just want to be very clear that they uh, have a problem with that change because it's it's just not what they've come to expect and then for the um uh, the lady that i spoke with who had the commission structure change it would really be best if she were to say also in writing it's very important that this all happen in writing um that uh again she she doesn't agree with this change she wants to be very clear that she's not quitting but but this is it looks like it's going to be some significant departure from her ability to make the same earnings that she used to if it's not immediately clear i think with with commission structure maybe there's a way that you you don't know just yet if there really will be a decrease in earnings you can always say something like well i'm going to give this a try for 3 months but i want to be clear that i'm not giving up my right to say that this is essentially a significant change if it turns out that i can't make what i used to make before if you want to try to you know be give it a chance or if it's not just immediately clear that it's going to be a huge departure maybe the calculation just appears too complicated at first and you can't really see until you start doing the actual work how that's going to affect your you know income that can be a great compromise but but again you still want to say something you don't want to wait until it's already going on for a little bit because then it could be you know you could be seen to have accepted the changes you know you just have to make sure that you just uh it, you don't want to remain silent because sometimes that can uh, that can really hurt your ability to do anything about things later. Silence is the same as acceptance, right? It's what they say. Now, how long? I mean, you know, in your first and second example, it was a little too long, so you want to get on it uh, sooner than later. And maybe you're you're in a situation, for instance, um, I don't know, a sales situation where maybe you know we're adjusting your commission versus your base salary, so on and so forth. Maybe it will affect you positively. You don't know, or maybe. Um, they're they're moving your location a little bit to your workplace, and maybe you know that'll help because now it'll cut off a couple streets. I don't know. You don't know yet. So how much time? I guess I guess what I'm saying is you're going to give it a couple weeks to give it a try. But any anything you want to take it out for a spin like that, you don't want to make this a verbal, correct? You definitely want to have this in writing with a specific end date. You know, if it's uh, if it's March March seventh now, by April seventh, if I don't like this, I want to go back to my original position. Is that okay to do? That's a wonderful suggestion. I could not have said it better myself. You you want to be very clear in your, you know, written um correspondence, email, mm-hmm. letter, it can be like, you know, carrier pigeon, anything you want as long as it's written down that you have an end date and a, you know, say a start date to an end date of when you're going to allow that change to be like a trial period or something. Maybe it's a 3-month trial period, maybe it's it's you know, 2-week trial period, but you just need to have an end date so that um and then be very clear that this isn't something that you're accepting, say indefinitely or beyond that period of time and it's simply just to get a sense of how those changes are are, are going to affect you and act in operation and then um you know you still have that ability to go back and say you know what we gave it a shot 
it's clear that this isn't anything that I, you know, was accustomed to earning or knowing or working as before. And I can show you why now that's different. It's not just we're guessing, right. is this going to be a difference in my income? I've now been able to see that, you know what, this extra street that you've cut off is actually a huge part of my earnings that I needed, or I don't actually like uh, having, you know, 0.5% of this territory. I really, you know, whatever the change happens to be, you get a, a true understanding of how that's going to affect you. And then you can go back to your employer and say, you know what, I, I really consider this a termination of the, of my employment relationship that I used to know with you. And I, uh, I'm, I'm owed my severance. And so you can walk away from that situation without, uh, you know, having to resign just because you're not, um, you know, it's not possible for you to kind of work and live under those changes. Got a couple minutes before we break, Ali. You got something else you wanted to talk about, right? I do. Yeah. I have a couple of different, um, you know, stories that I can get into. Um, I try to pick ones that kind of come up often because mm-hmm. I think that that's the type of information that's most important for people to know. And just, just in case, you know, this comes up, you know, in, in their personal lives. And another one of those scenarios is when um, somebody is offered, say, a severance package. There's different ways that that can be offered to them. Um, and a big comment I get when I have people who call in to try to get these severance packages reviewed is, is the way that I've been offered this package legal. Um, it tends to be because either it's working notice only, or it's something called salary continuance. And I think what I can say is while both of those scenarios are technically legal, um, it doesn't mean that you should accept them. And that's the big caveat is that, yeah, I, and I'd like to get into that, I think, a little bit more just because it just comes up so often. So maybe after the break. And hey, welcome back. It is uh, 417 here on the Employment Law Show. By the way, you want to reach out to Aaliyah, who's covering the show today uh, when the hour is done or any other time, 604-283-3123, help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now for your phone calls, uh, lines are open, and it is a live call-in show. Of course, you have employment law questions and matters for yourself or a colleague or a family member. Bring it on. No no bad questions, and uh, we'd like to get you answering. Because every every question you ask, you know, 10 other people are probably wondering the answer as well, so you're doing people uh, doing people a good turn anyway. 604-280-9898 is the way to do that. But, uh, Aliyah, back to what we were talking about. Uh, yes, yeah, salary continuance, working notice, a lot of confusion with this one, right? Yeah, it's a, this is definitely a popular question. And so, um, you know, if you've just been handed a severance package and you see these terms and you're wondering what they are and, no. you know, why they're being discussed and if you have an option to do anything about it, you definitely do. So in both those situations, I'd say there's a very good chance that you're not going to have, say, a limit to your severance. And so, you know, your severance entitlement can be quite significant. It can be up to, say, 24 months in BC. That's a huge period of time. And the reason why um, you may not want to accept either of those options is because they don't actually represent the full amount of severance that you're either entitled to or that you're owed or that you could receive. And of course, a lot of people, maybe you don't want to have working notice. And even though, you know, your employer technically has the ability to offer you working notice instead of, you know, pay, I think most people usually consider severance as this payment that they receive once their job ends. Um, it, it doesn't really mean that you have to accept it. It just happens to be mo- more common for employers to offer um, pay because, you know, you, you can imagine if you let somebody know that they're going to be terminated, I think the fear is that your work quality will decline mm. 
um, if you know that you're not going to be continuing on with the employer, which which makes sense. So maybe you want to think of it as like the sign of trust, if that makes you feel better. But at the same time, you know, you certainly don't have to accept that if you don't want to. Um, and you can try to, you know, renegotiate it because um, there's a good chance it's not going to be your full entitlement that you're owed. And the same with salary continuance. So salary continuance is a um, concept that you are going to get your pay for a period of time. So it's like a continuance of your salary for say X amount of months. And then there's usually almost always, I'd say 99.999% of the time, this term that's included that says, once you have other, once you find other alternative employment, um, you're going to get paid 50% of the remainder of this continuance period. So maybe it's like for two months, then you get a job after one month, you're only going to get half of one month of the rest of your pay for that salary continuance period. And so if you get a salary continuance period of say two months, you can tell that there it's not actually two months that you, you can receive, it kind of ends when you find other employment. Now, the problem is, is that in a lot of those packages, there's no definition for what other employment is that could be say, like, maybe you have some investment income that comes in, that's income. Um, what happens if it's like a completely non-comparable job? Maybe you're earning, you had to pick up some shifts somewhere just to make ends meet for a little bit. And so you're not getting your full severance package just because you picked up like say an odd job here or there, helped out a friend with something and they ended up paying you for it. It's just, you know, it's an unfair limit again to your severance that you're owed because that's your entitlement. And it's kind of like a, you know, these methods can be creative ways for the employer to limit what they have to pay you because it works for them, not necessarily because it works for you. And if you've given all of your time to work for an employer, um, it's it's not a bad thing to try to look at that offer and go, well, what is going to work for me now that I mm-hmm. am moving on to maybe something else? There's there's really nothing wrong with that, and it and it's it's quite possible to do a negotiation that um, is not, you know, doesn't need to be contentious. It doesn't need to be long and drawn out, but just to renegotiate those terms so they're a little more favorable. You want to make a call, 604-280-9898. That's why we're here. That's why Ali is here to answer your questions. Gord, thanks for standing by. How are you this afternoon? I'm good. What's Um, on your mind, brother? uh, Well, this is uh, literally asking for a friend uh, who was (laughs) uh, released from her employment recently, uh, just shy of two years, a couple days shy of two years, the employer gave her one day's uh, notice. So, just wondered what recourse she had. I I informed her of this program. I don't know if she called, but um, I suggested to her it'd be a very good idea. Yes, I think that is exactly what I would suggest. I can't imagine a scenario where one day's notice would be appropriate because let's just say um well unless the employer is saying that she's been terminated for cause then you don't have to get any notice she was a a, a very good and um valued by the previous owner uh employer employee uh then they, they gave her two weeks severance okay so that's what i would be looking for um you know, it's if you're ever getting, if you're terminated without cause, anybody who's listening and you're only given one day notice, that's simply not appropriate because there's always going to be minimum standards that an employer has to follow. Here, it looks like they followed those minimum standards. So that's kind of just an absolute baseline that has to be done. There's really no getting around it if you're not terminated for cause. And I'd say even in most times you say you've been told you're terminated for cause, it's still not correct. But 
you know, the big question here is going to be, is this her full severance entitlement? And so what she should do if she's so inclined and she's curious about it is you can get this kind of package reviewed to determine if this is, um, I'd say, more than half of the time of people I speak with, there's no limit to their severance in their contract. And when that happens, it means that you can negotiate a fair amount of severance with your employer. And two weeks for after two years of employment, you can tell it's just not very, not very long period of time. The, the minimums that are set by the law are, they're very, very low. And there's usually a huge discrepancy between say, I don't know what she was doing, but there's a number of factors that would go into a determination of how long her, um, you know, full severance entitlement is. And it's almost always significantly more than those minimums. So it's a perfect opportunity for her to get that severance package reviewed. And she can ask really any employment lawyer. Certainly it's a major part of what I do on a day-to-day basis. I'd be happy to review that for her. Um, one thing, I don't know if she's accepted that. If she accepts, is that it? Like that? that's kind of, I mean, is there any further yeah, room to negotiate if she's already accepted Well, and when you say acceptance, this is a really important thing, and this comes up all the time. So just because the companies, say, deposited that money into her bank account, that's not an acceptance. I get that question so many times, you wouldn't believe it. You can accept it. They actually have to pay you that, and they have to pay you that within 48 hours of your, you know, when they let you go. So Mm -hmm. that's not an acceptance. What you want to be worried about is if they've provided you, say, uh, a release document, then you don't want to sign that. But in this case, you know, if she's only been provided, say, her minimum entitlements, a company can't require you to sign a release to, to obtain your minimums. That's something that you're entitled to, you know, full stop, period, end of sentence. They need to give that to you. And so they shouldn't be requiring you to, like, release your ability to ask for more just by getting something that you need to be provided. And so if they've done that in her scenario, she can still potentially have, uh, you know, an option to renegotiate. I think the main point of what I'm trying to say is, is that, I can't imagine a scenario where she's limited her amounts to this uh, to this two-week period. So if she wants to have that reviewed, then it's a great opportunity to do so. The only thing that would limit her is if there's something written in her contract that's you know properly drafted. But like I said, mm-hmm. in the vast majority of scenarios, that's not the case. Well, she it was a retail clerking job, and um, I would imagine she'd be entitled to more than two weeks severance after just less than two years right yeah you're absolutely right it's 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 very very low you know amounts that are set by those minimum standards and uh, i see a huge discrepancy between that and somebody's full severance so i just would need to know a couple more details about her character Mm -hmm. of employment and some details about her and that's Mm -hmm. why it's all it's it's traditionally best for them you know anybody in that situation to speak to someone directly um, and just provide, say, their, their employment contract is going to be an important document that any lawyer would want to review. And then, um, you know, I can give a full assessment of, say, what she's entitled to, how to pursue it, strategies for doing that, if she has a preference for how, you know, she wants this process done. I try to get some individual goals. Anybody who you're getting counsel from should should get a sense of what your, you know, objectives are, and then they can help you with that. And as part of what they can do to you know, advise you of what your full rights are, because that's, you know, that's really the essence of what our job is. Now, I will uh, see if I can um, get her to contact you if, if she's so interested, but I suggested, and I didn't get the impression she thought it wasn't in her best interest, to, but I don't know if she has or not. I don't think so. So um, I'll, I'll see if I can, you know, uh, 
pass that suggestion on to her that she should be in touch with your firm. Um, I got to say that this program has been extremely helpful to me. A, a few years ago, I, I'm a driving instructor. I had um, an employer who didn't want to pay travel time, and um, he subsequently uh, laid me off for a month in the month of December. So um, I just ended up quitting. I just went to another school, but um, I didn't. Unfortunately, didn't realize at that time that I could have gone after him for that. But uh, that's something I learned through listening to this program. Excellent. So, Excellent. appreciate the. I'm so uh, glad to hear that. And welcome back. It is uh, 4.33. Aaliyah Varani is doing the show, and we got so much to talk about, Aaliyah, but this is so much better, not even getting to our notes, <laughs> when we have a, a ton of phone calls. And that number, as mentioned, 604-280-9898. By the way, Aaliyah, all part of Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in the country. You can Google that and uh, back up what I say. So uh, so check that out. But we will not make them long, wait any longer as we'll get to our phone call, 604 604- uh, 280-9898. In that regard, Mark, thanks for standing by. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. You uh, bet, man. I got What's a question up? for you. My company recently went through a reorg and made a few title changes. Uh, that basically, do the same job. They just wanted to align the titles. Um, just kind of a realignment. And now I'm being asked to sign a new non-compete clause, which is basically much more prohibitive for me. Uh, I'm just wondering, with regard to my options, what can they really do if I don't sign that? Because it is Great very question. restrictive. My job hasn't really changed, and I'm kind of concerned about my future options and protecting that. And if I don't sign it, uh, what would happen from a severance pers- perspective? Smart call. Okay, very, very good question. I cannot thank you enough for asking this. So no no employer can force you to sign a contract. If you're presented with like new terms halfway through, you actually have an incredible amount of bargaining power. And so I think the fear is when I speak to people in your situation is that, you know, they feel like the ball is in their court and they don't know how to respond. But you can kind of just put that back in your employer's um, court, if you want to say, because really they can't start you know, if you don't want to agree to that non-compete, and it includes some onerous clauses about what you can do, say, in the event of a termination, maybe it prevents you from working with people that you used to work with, or even in that industry for a certain period of time, you can see that can be very hard to, if this is, say, the only thing that you do, or or your expertise for a certain period of time, it's going to make it hard. Um, And I'll get into non-competes generally in just a moment. But, you know, say you have a problem with this, and you don't even like your your demotion. I'm not sure if a demotion by itself is going to you know, it, you, you could also want to have that in your mind as something that uh, if they start making more changes to your employment, you want to start recording that as well. I would just say to keep yourself fully protected. Um, but, you know, after they've presented you with this contract, you can go back to your employer and say, you know what, I, I really don't feel comfortable with the changes that you're proposing for this reason, this reason, this reason. And you can simply refuse to sign that contract and there's nothing that they can do to make you sign it. And so now it's their situation to deal with. Either they're going to return you to your previous terms or they're going to have to be prepared to terminate you and um, pay out your severance. And so I think maybe the one thing I would I would just caution you to consider is, are you prepared to walk away from this job on the basis of the changes that they're proposing? And then, um, you know, your the answer to that, I think, is going to depend on two things that I would recommend that you have reviewed. One is whether there's a limit to your severance in your um, employment contract that you're under currently, because that's going to tell you what 
um, if, if anything, if there's a limit to what your employer has to pay out, what that would be. Um, a lot of times there's not going to be a limit. That's a major part of what we do or otherwise find a way to remove an improperly drafted limit to your severance. Um, and that's going to help you make that first decision if, if it's if it's okay and you're prepared to walk away from this because you want to know what you're going to be receiving while you look for something else. And the second thing is the question of this non-compete. You know, how? Um, what are the chances of that being successfully applied to you, the one that you're already under? And I can tell you that just generally speaking, just so you're aware of non-competes, it's very hard for employers to have those enforced. They actually have to be the ones to apply to court, for example, if they have a problem with something that you're doing that they think violates the non-compete. And only if they're successful in, say, upholding those terms in the contract, will you actually have those limits to whatever they say that you should be doing applied. And so if they say something like for 25 years after employment or even five years, which I think I see very often, or if there isn't, say, a limit to the geographic region that you're not able to do whatever work that they say, and it, you know, if they don't have a very good reason for limiting the work that you need to do, um, for example, is it because there's actual privacy concerns that you may go to a competitor, or is it just because they don't want any competition in the marketplace? Because courts are very, very hesitant to uphold those types of restrictive, they're called restrictive covenants, because they don't like having restraints on trade. So unless they're drafted in a way that really limits their scope to like the least harm that they need to do possible and for, you know, specific periods of time, location and for reasons and unless there's actual harm that's going to be caused if you were out there doing the things that these non-compete clauses say that you shouldn't do, there's a very good chance that they're not going to be upheld anyways. And remember, the employer has to apply to court, which tends to be a very time-consuming and costly process. So you can kind of look at it like, well, what are the chances that this is going to be upheld at all? Um, so that can maybe give you some degree of reassurance, even if you say get your contract reviewed and it turns out you you don't have a huge severance entitlement, so you don't want to walk away. Um, you can have a little bit of comfort there that that non-compete is not really going to be the worst thing in the world. But I think more practically speaking, you should just not sign it if you don't want to. There's nothing that forces you to sign it. Put the ball back in your employer's court. And, you know, they have to pay you out if they're going to start, you know, if, if they're prepared to force that on you, because that's just not that's not allowed. No employer can force a contract on you as an employee. So just just be aware yeah. that you have, you know, the power in the situation. So effectively, in that situation, uh, if there was a termination, it would be without cause. Yes, exactly. And it should not if I mean, if you're terminated for cause for not signing a contract that your employer is introducing, then they have major problems. So. <laughs> Um, as in they've acted severely illegally in that situation. So that's a problem. But, um, you know, they, of course, they can terminate employees without cause for any reason, as long as it's not discriminatory, but they have to pay your fair severance. And so, you know, you can go back to them and say, I don't feel comfortable with these clauses. You can explain why if you want to. Sometimes that can help with maybe getting those clauses removed or renegotiated. Or, um, you know, you can just refuse outright and then they can either take it away or if they terminate you, provide you your fair severance so that you can move on without those limits being applied to your job. Okay. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Does that make sense? Thank, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, he, no I think he's got he's, he's ruminating on it anyway. Mark, thanks for, the, uh, thanks for the phone call, pal. Here's how you follow up with Aaliyah if you uh, want to choose that and have a further conversation, lengthy conversation. 604-283-3123. I want to try to get Robin here before we, uh, we take a break. Uh, Robert, uh, good afternoon. How are you? 
I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Good, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I'm I'm just curious about. I was uh, working for a very small construction company for uh, 15 years, and um, uh, at the end of uh, my employment there, I was uh, there was a small layoff after Christmas, and, and uh, just a couple weeks or so, and boss called me back to work and went back to work, and I was feeling sick for a while and so I was sort of showing up for work sporadically and sort of having a tough time of it and uh, he uh, um, uh, so uh, after after a while I went to my doctor and I was feeling better and I I called my boss up and I said well I'm feeling better now doctor says I'm okay um, I can come back and work full time now, and uh, he said, "Okay, I'll uh, get in touch with you next week." And the next week, he sent me a, a letter saying that he was laying me off until my health issues had improved. But I had called him saying that my health issues had improved and I was ready to work full time again. Uh, but he laid me off for that reason um i i can't eat wow. that or no that's um i can see why you're concerned i'm so sorry to hear about this so what that what you're dealing with right now is i mean you have the ability to make what's called a bc human rights tribunal complaint and what mm-hmm. that is is when you are under say one of the protected grounds and one of those grounds is say illness and disability and that's just your you know you you being sick or mm-hmm. perception of you being sick really and your employer is now taking um, steps that affect your employment on that basis and so w- how this works is that when you're ready to come back to work and you're cleared medically to come back to work there's nothing say wrong that's preventing you you're not injured it's not going to be a hazard to you or the, or the job then your mm-hmm. employer has a duty to return you to your job that's their obligation to you and it's your right to go back to work if your employer is saying that, oh, well, you just came back from a sick leave and work, even though you're telling them that you're totally fine now and you're completely recovered, and then they continue to prevent you from going back to your job, that's discrimination on the basis of illness and disability. Um, it's that perceived illness and disability. They think that you're maybe still suffering from issues that prevent you from completing your job. That's obviously not the case. I think that if you want to have the most support for your position, it would certainly help if you speak to your doctor and get a note that says that you're um, cleared to return to work um, and mm-hmm. that there's nothing that would prevent you from doing your job. That's a very important step to protect your rights right now. Um, sometimes yeah. you can just even have like a telehealth appointment, like a phone call appointment with your doctor if it's hard to mm-hmm. get out. But um, having that note written will, will um, help a lot. You should send that to your employer and then ask them to return you and give them a deadline to respond. Say something like, you know, here I'm cleared to go. Um, I'd like to return by this date and hear back from me by this date. And then if they don't respond to you, then you may want to think about, you know, moving forward with that, that with that complaint, if you're so inclined, because, you know, when your employer does that, they're not acting according to their obligations to their employees and to you, and you, you can hold them responsible. Um, you can claim, say, what's called damages or compensation against them for mm-hmm. doing what amounts to a human rights 
abuse. It's it's those types of things are protected in Canada and you have options to do something about it if you want to. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it's okay. So this isn't okay. I thought it might fall into a different category. Um, what was it? The, uh, I forget what you called it again. The, the, uh, um, constructive dismissal. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I thought it might've fallen in that category, but I guess not. Yeah. Um, you this, might have a couple of options here. This happened a, a couple of years ago, actually. And, uh, after I got laid off, uh, then I got really sick after that, uh, with, with something else, uh, probably would have happened had I been working, but anyway, I got exposed to something that, uh, put me in the hospital for, uh, in and out, in and out of the hospital a couple of times, but, uh, and yeah, and I, I, my back got very injured from that. I might need surgery. So, uh, uh, okay. I was just not sure uh, what my options were as far no, as... No, good questions. Uh, they really are, um, you know, it, it could fall into both, but I think the one comment that I just heard you make that I want to maybe point out, which could be very important, is that it's that issue of time period. So if it happened more than, say, a year ago... You want to be very careful because that's there's a deadline for making those you know that type of BC human rights complaint. Um, so I just point that out. Just be very wary of deadlines, and maybe you want to call in to get some more advice. I would recommend that. Welcome back. It is four forty-eight. Still got some minutes here. You got uh, time for a phone call to slip one in there. Six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight is a way to do that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is our email address. Anytime, get a hold of Aaliyah that way or you can call her when the show is over this is how you do that 604-283-3123 back to this situations that trigger employment law disputes finally we get to some of our notes i love all the phone calls we've got this <laughs> afternoon so we uh, we appreciate you for calling in uh yeah here's the situation for you leah when an employer resorts to a termination for cause way too early yes so okay very popular question and very important for people to know that there is a process that has to be followed. So one of our callers um, had mentioned that their friend, very good friend, was calling in for some advice of their um, somebody that they know. Initially, it sounded like she might have been terminated, you know, without any notice, but, uh, but you know, right away. And if that had happened, that's what's known as, say, a just cause termination. If you're not given any notice of your termination and you're fired right away, that's uh, you know quite a serious event and you're not entitled to any severance. But there's a process that your employer has to follow. And that process is, you know, it's a system of progressive discipline. And what that looks like is, you know, there needs to be a warning letter. There needs to be some sort of, it would be certainly best practices for any employers listening out there to have a written policy of say what needs to be done as like a performance improvement plan. But that needs to be pointed out to you if there's some sort of issue with like lateness or absenteeism or even, you know, not meeting standards that are set. It, you need to have an opportunity to improve. There needs to be, a, you know, an understanding of what will happen if there's a further problem. And then um, after a certain number of times, um, then, you know, your employer has that option or that ability to terminate you for cause. And if they do that before, say, that system is followed, then they probably haven't met that threshold because you can think of just cause as like this. It's known as the capital punishment of the employment relationship because it's so serious. It's basically like saying that 
this relationship between the employee and the employer is impossible to continue. And you can think about it in terms of like a human relationship with, you know, if your if your employment was a person, you you need to if if it's impossible to continue, you need to do everything you can to kind of save that relationship before you determine that it's just unsalvageable. And so unless it's something like fraud or a criminal act or something very seriously illegal, it's not going to be ending just after one event. It needs to be, you know, a process. And that's why, you know, it's dangerous for an employer to terminate an employee for cause before they've really done everything in their power to kind of salvage that relationship. I hope that makes sense. Let's get to a uh, quick call in between. Bobby, thanks for standing by. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. What's on your mind? Yeah, we are working for tourism industry, like all British Columbia here, mostly our, uh, we depend on tourism. So most of my brothers and sisters are sitting home. They know what the next step will be for us, and some of them are also union members. And uh, it's nearly one year now, March, so we don't know what will happen to us staying home. Uh, we'll be paid for servants, so we'll go, be called back to work. How it works, we don't have any idea. Please, can you help us? Yes, I, I, I'm really sorry to hear that. That's a very popular thing that comes up with, well, pretty much since the past year, since the pandemic. And I think that there's two elements that I want to kind of direct you towards to answer your question. One is that for anybody that's unionized that you're, you know, you're speaking about, they should speak to their union representative because they're going to be under what's known as a collective agreement. And that's a specific contract that deals with union member rights. And anytime there's a problem with something that's going on with their employer, the union um, members, they have to speak to their union representative who will then speak, you know, bargain on their behalf or essentially solve problems on their behalf, depending on what's written into that collective agreement. So they have a different type of, you know, protections and process that they have to go through. Um, They can't say seek out the advice of a private lawyer because it's really their union rep. It's kind of like the, you get all the benefits of the union, but then you also have to really follow the rules of the union um, when you have a problem. And then for everybody else who's not unionized that you may be speaking about, you know, even if there's a downturn in business, your employer has to have very specific rights that are written into your contract that allow them to say, lay you off from your employment. And if they don't have that written into your contract, even though they may say that it's financially motivated, even if they say that, you know, there's nothing that they can do, they have to really properly let you know that you're terminated. And even if they don't properly do that, you can say, you know what, you don't have a right to lay me off for this period of time. I've been waiting a year. Certainly by now, you know, no year layoff is going to be allowed. Um, You can consider yourself terminated and then end that employment relationship, claim your severance and then move on and start, you know, reintegrating into the economy that, you know, truly is going to be a lot more benefit to everyone by not waiting around for this employer to call you back to work or not if they if they're not being clear with you because you can't be held in limbo for that period of time it's simply not sustainable which i think which i think it sounds like you're you're trying to let me know and i certainly was a common comment that i heard from a lot of people so i can understand the frustration yeah it's one year now and just more, most of the people working there 18 years 20 years 17 years wow. 15 years and there was a dream with the tourism industry now suddenly this thing has stopped from all over the world and now we are just waiting for our sub money we're surviving in that in ei so thank you very much for your advice we hope the tourism industry will open soon and some positive mm-hmm. result will gonna come 
I hear you. Best of luck, Bobby, for that. But again, just to just to nail it down, as far as union employees are concerned, they are they are bound by the collective agreement. They can't even come to see you, if they wanted to. They're not. You're not allowed to help them. Correct. That's correct. So for unionized employees, unfortunately, I'm not going to. You know, any lawyer really isn't going to be able to help them. Um, yeah. uh, unless you know it's in very limited, limited circumstances. But just for for everyone's you know general knowledge, I'd say that you know, they're not going to be able to go to private counsel. That being said, for anybody that's not covered under a union, it is very important that they you know seek advice so that they can collect their severance, move on. They don't have to wait around any longer, and that's not a proper scenario. You know, you, you can do something about that. Yeah, it's been you know you're looking at uh, looking at almost a year since this has happened, and you know in some jurisdictions they're you know they're 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 allowing employers to keep these temporary layoffs till next June. I mean it's just it's it's amazing the amount of time somebody could possibly be off work. So if you're thinking about doing something about it and you're tired of it, you're weighing your options, you're sick of uh, you know languishing at home. Here's a, here's the way to reach Ali. Now that we're uh, we're done for the afternoon, and appreciate all your phone calls by the way. Uh, well done and all that. You want to reach out at six zero four two eight three. 3123. That's to get a hold of Aaliyah and her team now that we are done for the afternoon. Email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you simply go to the website employmentlawyer.ca, that will give you links to our long running television show as well. It's like a 30 minute uh, version of what we do here on the radio every uh, week as well. And then finally, uh, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Absolutely free, absolutely anonymous, and there is a ton of employment law information. Even before you call Leah, go to the website, check it out, and carry on from there. But appreciate all your uh, your listening and your phone calls, and we'll catch you next Sunday at 4 o'clock right here, Employment Law Show, CKNW.